Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory at cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click Give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Did I ever tell you guys about the time that Heather was cooking pancakes? And uh, so it, it, we're at the house, and Heather's cooking pancakes. And we're all getting ready, and we're going to have this, this family time in the morning. And, and I just kind of pulled out one of my old studies. One of my old studies from First Chronicles chapter 28. And I sat down and I began to read to Hudson and Brady and Heather while she was cooking pancakes. Hudson's on my left, Brady's on my right. And I read them this very story. If you have your Bibles, you can go to First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 5. And before, you, before I get there and start reading, let me give you the backstory. King David has established his kingdom and God has used him in a mighty, mighty way. But in this portion of Scripture, you find that King David is entering the last days of his life. It's kind of cool because you see this old king set up two things that are very important to his life. The first thing that you see is David has been instructed by the Spirit of God on how to build the house of the Lord. It is so on David's heart. It is something he thinks about constantly. It's something he's already raised the provisions for. He stored gold. He stored, uh, he stored silver. He stole, stored silver, or excuse me, cedar trees. He has all these things set aside. But God has instructed him that he will not be the one who builds the house of the Lord. So he wanted to make sure that before he dies, all of his leaders understood that after he's gone, Building the house of the Lord is of the utmost importance. The second thing that he wants to bring up is because he's leaving a new king needs to be established. And right there in front of all of his leaders, King David turns and says, my son Solomon is going to take up the kingship. In fact, starting right now, King Solomon is going to rule and establish what God has set up in my family. This whole thing starts off, and in verse 5, this is where I started reading to the boys. It says this, And of all my sons, this is David speaking, for I have many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now he said to me, It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son. This is God speaking, and I will be his father. It goes on in verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know the Lord of your father. This is David speaking to Solomon. And serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Listen to this closely. And this is the part where I pause and talk to the boys about people may know what's going on in your life, but only God knows what's going on inside of your life. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. You may not think that he's ever listening, and yet God is the only one that knows even the thoughts and the intent of hearts and do not think he's not listening. He is so 
a part and wants to be a part of your life. And it was my chance to say, you think people don't know, but I promise you this, your Father in heaven knows what's going on in your heart and he cares. If you seek him, listen closely, this is David telling his son, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. What does this be strong and do it mean? I was able to go to verse 20, and David continues talking to his son about be strong and do it. Be strong and do it. And David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Here are the divisions of the priests and here are the Levites for all the service of the house of God and every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of workmanship. For every kind of service, also the leaders and all the people will be completely at your command. Why is that such a big deal? Because Solomon is hearing from his dad, number one, just step out and go for it. Number two, I've done everything I can do to make sure you've got everything to do it and even lined out the people to do the work for you. You just sit up and go for it. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, which is the very next chapter, down in verse 25, I wanted to read this. So the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all of Israel and bestowed on him such royal majesty he'd not been on, that has not been on any king before him in Israel. So the bean boys were sitting on my right and my left. Heather was making pancakes. I think about this time she was washing dishes. Hudson was sitting there listening to me just like this. And old Brady had his head on the bar and was looking up at me like this. And I turned to the boys and I expressed something that I had recently watched on the internet. I've been studying the millennial generation lately. And the reason why is not because it's good or bad. It's just that as a pastor, how do you reach this young generation? How do you reach young families? How do you reach young people? How do you keep the main thing the main thing of making sure that in this church we're always answering the questions to the younger generation? The older generation, we've kind of heard a lot. And we can learn a lot even from teaching to the younger generation. But in this video that I was watching, it was pointing out some very important truths I think maybe even I had experienced growing up. And the truth was this is that as growing up, the millennials, and I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer, but the millennials heard over and over and over again, you are awesome. You're going to do great things. Gosh, you did a great job. You're amazing. And all of that is important, except that. In some of the millennials, they took that to the extreme that now because they know they're awesome, they know they're incredible, they know they're great, now they expect things because they are awesome, they are great, and they are incredible. It struck a chord in my heart. And I thought for a minute about King Solomon's story. Now think about what you've just read. King Solomon just basically got what we would consider in our family 
the ball teed up for him. Golf reference. It's this moment to where they're giving you a golf ball. We expect you to swing just as hard as you can. Brady, Brady just uh, this summer was in the, uh, the Sun Country Junior PGA Tournament. We went to Rio Dosa for several tournaments. And, and, and finally, I just turned to my son after I lightened up a little bit. Dads can get stressed out. And I turned to my son and I said, listen, just tee it up and just stink and swing as hard as you can. Just, just tee it up and just grip it and rip it. Is that not good dad advice or what? In a lot of ways, that's how King Solomon's story is. David said, just step up, swing as hard as you can and go for it. The boys are now listening. And I said, but let me tell you how Solomon stepped up to the plate and gripped it and ripped it. The story goes on in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. It says this. Now Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom. Remember we just covered this? He was strengthened. We know God is on his side. Good, good things are about to happen. But listen to this very closely. And the Lord, his God, was with him, exalted him exceedingly. And Solomon spoke to all of Israel. That's interesting. Didn't David just call everybody together? Didn't he just call in all the generals and all the leaders and all the people? And then Solomon calls them in again. And he says, he called and Solomon spoke to all of Israel. He spoke to the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds, to the judges and every leader in all of Israel. He spoke to the heads of the fathers of houses. Then Solomon and all the assembly went, traveled, made a journey to the high place that was at Gibeon for the tabernacle of meeting with God with, with, of meeting with God was there. And then verse 6. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings. Now I know at this point you're thinking, my gosh, it's been 15 minutes of half of a story and a lot of scripture. Look at what I'm trying to show you. The same thing I'm trying to show you is what I was trying to show my boys. A dad sets his kid up with everything he needs to go build the house of the Lord and start a good king job going. Just step up and grip it and rip it. And instead of gripping and ripping, Solomon calls a timeout. Okay. Timeouts are very crucial. I think timeouts are one of those moments where you can change an entire game plan. You've seen timeouts take place in basketball games and hockey games and football games. All these games to where the momentum is going one way and all of a sudden a timeout can change the momentum. In a lot of ways, that's what happens in this story. Solomon changes a momentum. And I brought something up to my boys that I wanted them to pay attention to. Instead of being the first day on the job, a moment to where Solomon just goes up there and starts building, Solomon calls a timeout on everything and says, I want to make the main thing the main thing, and we've got to stop. Everybody come together. I studied the burnt offering thing here, and I really couldn't find an exact what type of burnt offering he gave. But all throughout Solomon's story, Solomon was famous about burning bulls for God. So it was the only thing I could go back on as I turned to two young boys and said, can you imagine what a thousand burnt bull offering looks like? 
And Heather turns around and she goes, you think they were bulls? I said, well, my gosh, you know, so it says it was, you know, he offered it here. And Heather, can you imagine the pins he had to build? And Heather said, surely he didn't have to build pins. And I said, have you ever heard, heard of a thousand bulls before? I mean, he had to build the pins. The logistics of this is crazy. They asked you to just start the day to being a king. And you called a timeout and added a whole new job. We got to build pins. We got to herd bulls. Get the judges together and get them horseback. Let's move this whole group out. And before I can do anything, we're going to make a thousand burnt offering to the Lord to show that he is my God and I love him. It was completely different than any other king had done it before. It made me think about, and this is why it's so important, How many kings were in the world at the time? And how many kings stopped what they were doing to make sure that the main thing became the main thing? Back to the millennials. I turned to my boys and I picked up this cylinder. And what I'm about to tell you that I told them, I just want you to listen closely. Don't judge me on what I'm about to say until I'm done with my sermon, okay? I turned to Brady Bean and Hudson Bean. I said, you see this cylinder? I said, guys, life is about two things. It's about the container that you are, and it's about the content that's in you. Life is about the container, and life is about the content. And listen to me closely. You're no more special anybody else in this world at that point heather bean who was washing the dishes went just like this spun on a dime i said whoa, 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 just wait just wait listen to what i have to say i said guys you are no more different or special than anybody else and hudson you are no more different or special than anybody else and mom and i think you're incredible and mom and i think you're going to do great things and mom and i think that you're the greatest kids in the world but let me tell you life doesn't matter what mom and i think you're no different than anybody else and our kids don't know what to do they're kind of frozen on the bar just like this because in this story you see that a king is just a container like any other king is i said hudson how many people do you think were kings in the world of the day he goes i don't know a hundred how many do you think he said maybe a thousand And I said, but how many were offering a thousand burnt offerings that day to God before they started their job? No one knows. But what we do know is Solomon did. And a king and the position of being a king is just a container like anything else. And I turned to the boys and I said, being a kid is a container. Though kids are cool and kids are great, you're just a kid. But what you are makes the kind of kid that God's called you to be. And a lot of times we look at our container and we start swinging away like a king. Dad set me up and I'm just going to go do it. And maybe the secret to life is not to be the container before we're the content. And maybe the secret to life is to step up to the ball and to realize i got to make the main thing the main thing. And before I do anything, I want to make sure that I honor God so that he can make me the king that he wants me to be. I sat there and I talked to the boys and I said, I think you're incredible. But the fact is, is that how many dads do you think there are in this world? Hudson, he said a billion. 
Brady said a trillion. I said, how many moms do you think you, there are in this world? And we went on and on and on. And I said, how many preachers do you think there are in this world? How many pastors? Hudson said a thousand. I said, shoot, there's a thousand in Lee County alone. There's, a, there's way more pa- pastors than that. And I said, but do you realize that a pastor is no more special than anything else if he doesn't have the content that's bigger than the container? And in that one moment, we talked about video games. In that one moment, we talked about who we are. And we talked about what is God doing in us so that it can change who we are. Sometimes we want God to change who we are, and we don't think about how we do it. Anybody can have a job, but what you do with that job is amazing. See, it was in this moment that Heather Bean just got her stuff, and she went to a cabinet, and I thought she was going to go get a gun. Okay? She reaches up into the cabinet, and she pulls out, there you go, this very jar. And Heather pulls the jar out, and this is, this is the very jar she used, and she sets it right in front of the boys. It, it sounded just like that, and everyone jumped. And Heather said, when we got off the plane the other day, do you want to know why I stayed on the plane? Now, this is another story. Uh, we just flew in. The flight was great. The stewardess was awful. She was in a horrible mood. She was, she was sassy. She cocked her neck. She, when she asked you what you wanted to drink, you weren't sure if you wanted to tell her. She took everyone's drink order and didn't even write it down. And went through the whole plane. She said, well, are you going to drink something? And people were like, well, yeah, I, have, I don't know, I have water. And, and, and then she got everybody's drink order wrong because she didn't write it down. I'm sitting there as the manager of Cowboy Junction Church thinking someone should correct her. <laughs> She's not very good. You know, can you, can, would you all do the same thing? Would you all be sitting there going, well, if you're going to be sassy to me, I'm going to be sassy right back to you. Of course you wouldn't. That's just me, isn't it? And Heather said, you want to know why I got off the plane late? Brady already knew because he asked her. I didn't even notice. While everybody was getting off the plane, Heather thought about how this was changing her container and God was speaking to her content. And as God was speaking to her content and this stewardess was affecting her container, she allowed God to speak into her content and it changed her container. While everyone was getting off the plane, Heather told the boys that she stayed in her seat And then the stewardess walked up and said, ma'am, can I help you? And Heather turned to our stewardess and said, yeah, I noticed you might be having a bad day. Is there anything that I can help you with? And the stewardess started crying. All while we're inside getting our bags, Heather's in the plane. And the stewardess finally stopped crying, and Heather held her hands. And the stewardess expressed how that night, she had lost a family member that had died. And she had contacted the airline company to say that she wouldn't be going to work today. And they said, no, 
You get your stuff. We don't have anybody to replace you. You get to work. We need you. You can't just tell us this last minute like this. And she talked to him. They said it was, she said, expressed how it so was important to get back home, and they would not give her the day off. And she had to go to work after losing someone she loved dearly to take drink orders on a flight. And Heather said, can I pray for you? And she said, absolutely. And on a flight that we had all bailed on, my wife is inside and got to pray with this woman. And a lot of us just tee up to life and swing as hard as we can. And we are more interested in being containers than even thinking about the content that is inside of us. Is this making sense? This whole story is about us as people. It's a story about Heather and an airplane stewardess. It's about two boys and a generation being told they're awesome. And the fact is that they're no more awesome than anybody else. Just because your mom said you're awesome doesn't mean you're awesome. It's like listening to America's Got Talent and people walking up and going, my grandma said I could sing. Your grandma's a liar. Your grandma's a liar. She loves you, but she's a liar. And, and the honest truth is you can't sing, that God's gifted you in other areas. And a lot of us get so hung up on the container, we don't allow God to speak to our content. But don't you realize that if we're going to be people of God, it's the content that always changes the container. Recently, I was watching CBS News. And I came across a story about David Eubank. David Eubank has one of the most unusual and life-threatening missionary jobs I have ever heard of. I went and had Chris find this David Eubank story. It's not just David Eubank, it's the Eubanks. They're from Washington State, and all four of them have given their life to live in Afghanistan to help the soldiers with some tough issues. Before I spoil this story I would like to show you the video of something pretty amazing about a man and a family who step out of their container to let God go to work on their content and this one particular day in which someone happened to be running the video camera and what was caught as contain the content came out and a container was changed I'd like for you to see this story. Newly released video shows an American aid worker racing into gunfire to save a little girl in Iraq. The dangerous rescue was carried out by David Eubank, who runs a humanitarian group, Free Burma Rangers. He has spent the last nine months with Iraqi forces who are attacking the ISIS stronghold of Mosul. This sniper right up here shooting at us as they're trying to move people. As an aid worker in Mosul, Iraq, David Eubank is used to being confronted by civilian deaths. But recently, he came upon a scene that was especially horrific. I see what turns out to be about 70 dead bodies. Women, children, guys in wheelchairs, shot dead in wheelchairs. And then, in the middle of that carnage, he saw something truly heartbreaking. I see movement, and then a little girl sitting next to her dead mother, hiding under the black hijab like this. And it looks goes like this. Despite continued attack by ISIS snipers... 
Eubank says he had to try to rescue her. Smoke dropped by Allied forces and firepower from Iraqi soldiers gave him the cover he needed. I thought, you know, if I'm killed, my wife and kids will understand. This is not bravado, this is not adventure, this is trying to save somebody. The rescue took just 12 seconds. The little girl was safe. It's believed her entire family was killed. Why did you do it? Love. And I remembered this scripture, greater love has no man he laid down his life for his friends. And you know, when you're out of your own strength, for me, I ask God, help me. Eubank's family is aware of the dangers. In fact, his wife and three children were there in Mosul, choosing to be with him as he continues his humanitarian mission. His 16-year-old daughter, Saheli, helped comfort the girl after her rescue. Your dad told us that you said that if he didn't come back, you would understand. It's, well, it's because we, we all prayed about it. And imagine if, like, if one of your kids was out there and being shot by ISIS, wouldn't you want someone else to go out there and save them? So we're doing this for love. Eubank's family of five is now on a break in Washington state where the sounds of the ranch have replaced the sounds of gunfire. What do you like about being here? I like it here because most of the time you're not really, like, worried about, oh, is ISIS right over there? Or, like, am I going to go outside and get shot? Or anything kind of like that. The little girl hasn't spoken since the attack. Iraqi soldiers are searching for any living relatives. If they can't find anyone, Eubank says a local general and his wife are willing to adopt her. Eubank plans to continue his work, returning to Iraq in a couple of weeks along with his family. We're not supermen or superwomen, but we can do something. And the families are still in trouble. People are coming out probably about every day trying to get out. Sometimes they're shot, sometimes they're not. We can, we can help. The reason why I wanted to show that is because I think you've got to realize that in your own life, you are made of two things, your container and your content. The boys are sitting there at the table, and now I begin to pour into them. And I begin to show them that, you know what I believe for our kiddos? You know what I believe for every kid that, that I'm around? Every kid that I get to be around, I truly believe that there is a king, there is a queen. There's a mighty purpose for their life. But one of the things that I think we've got to stop and pause about this story about King Solomon is that he had everything telling him to go ahead and step out. Your container is made for you. But in the story of Solomon, you see that he pauses and Solomon ends up being not a perfect person, but at least in this portion of his life, he's able to make the main thing the main thing. He's able to stop and pause long enough to get past the container and to look at the content. And when he honored God, a very interesting thing happened. This is your homework, by the way. The very next story after this story is a story about when Solomon wakes up to God speaking to him. And God says something to Solomon he makes, he doesn't make, to, he says something that he says to no one else in Scripture. He turns and he says, Solomon Ask me for whatever you want. A blank check from God. What would you ask for? If we live off of a container prayer, you're going to pray a shallow prayer. But if you start allowing God to speak to your content, and Solomon 
definitely was at the spot to where he felt like he couldn't be the king that his dad was. He couldn't do the things that his dad had put in his path to do. Where do you start building a massive building that big? And David, oh, excuse me, Solomon felt so inadequate in his container. And so he prayed the prayer basically about his content. He said, Father, give me wisdom. God says something really cool. Because you prayed for wisdom, now I'm going to give you all the things you didn't pray for. I'm going to give you all the riches. I'm going to give you all the armies. I'm going to give you all a long life. I'm going to give you everything you need that you didn't pray for, all because you prayed for content first before you ever prayed a prayer about containers. What do you look like on the inside of you? I love that story. Because when you look at that, the kid is living in Washington State wearing a Texas flag shirt. That is the funniest thing to me. That is so cool. And he walks up there and he says, you know, when we come home, we don't have to walk out the door and wondering if ISIS is going to get us. It's just a funny interview. But his dad showed something. You know, love will make you do some amazing things. Why don't you let love go to work on the inside of you right now? For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about and unpacking the Solomon story. CG's going to speak next week, and she's got a great message planned. And then we're going to continue several weeks talking about the content and the container. And there's some more things I want to show you and explain to you, but in it, I know this. Maybe this week, just like Heather Bean, you should find something that for the entire week wakes you up as you see it. It's the first thing you look at and something comes to mind. What content am I going to allow God to fill me with that's going to change the container that is me? Can I pray for you? Father, I pray for my friends. I pray for their heart. I pray for their life. And today, Lord, I pray with everything in me that whether believer, non-believer, the person in this room who's got it all together and the people who, person who may be struggling with something. This message is so simple and yet it's so true. Are we allowing you to work on our content? And is the content changing our container? I pray, Father, that you would allow us to experience this as individuals so that it can also go to work to us as a church. What type of church are we? Are we a church that's just a container? Or are we going to be a church that actually has content? Show us what that means. Guide us in our leadership and direction so that we can hear you and see you and want what you want for our lives. Father, I pray for every marriage in this room. Two people that love each other. Two people that can just sit here today and honestly say our marriage is a container. But what is the content of our marriage? Pray for every single person in this room. Every person believing you for everything they know they can trust you for. And today I pray as a single person, that is the story of their container. But what is the content of who they are as a single individual? 
pray for every kiddo in this room, every kiddo that's not even here tonight, and I pray that even as a young teenager, junior high kid, elementary kid, whatever the case may be, those are all containers. But what type of content is in you? Guide us, direct us, show us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on. Have y'all got an empty vessel at home? Have y'all, got, have y'all, got, come somewhere, come, y'all got a coffee mug? I know you do. Y'all got something. I had a lady come up yesterday and go, you're not going to believe this. For whatever reason, last week the Lord told me to just take this vessel. It was, it was kind of just like this. She said, set it up on the counter. And then she said, I just felt in my heart the Lord say, I'll show you what it's for later. For the last few days, she said, I've just been sitting in this container up on the shelf, and I've been seeing it every day. Coming to church today was a little weird for me, she said. But it makes sense. I've been so focused on my container that is life and that is me, I'm not letting God work on the content. But it's the content that changes the container. And Solomon did something right in this portion of his life. It's good to be home. I preached less than 30 minutes, or about 30 minutes. I should go on vacation more. Would you guys stand to your feet? Tomorrow, I want you to light firecrackers as big and bold as you can. Please don't point them towards the church, okay? Uh, Whatever you were planning on spending on fireworks, man, go nuts. Fourth of July only comes around once a year. Um, Have fun. Celebrate it and remember just how cool it is that we get to have Independence Day. And in Independence Day, I want you to think that even though we're independent, I am completely dependent upon my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. It's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits on our life. You guys have a great day. See you later.